Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to this episode of Leadership Lean In, our first of 2020. Thank you so much for joining us. We are here in the City of Angels, Los Angeles, California, and uh, we've got a very special episode coming your way. Before we get into it, I want to say thank you to everyone that has subscribed on iTunes, on Spotify. Uh, thank you for those that are listening on YouTube. Hey, the more you comment, the more you share, it helps us get the message out. So thank you for being a part of that. I saw so many people uh, tag us in the year-end review of Spotify that this was your podcast that you listened to the most. Thank you so much. 2020, I promise we're going to have great guests, great content, some good times. Might laugh a little bit, but we're hoping to lean in and learn from the subject of leadership the most. I was texting with someone earlier today, and they were asking me, what are you most excited about for 2020? And I told them I'm most excited this year to learn and grow. I think that's what fuels me, gets me excited. There's so much to learn, and there's so much room for growth, and that is our obsession. We're not chasing perfection that cannot be obtained, but we can grow, and we can get a little bit better. Also want to say, send in your questions. This next episode, we're going to phone a friend right here live from the studio. We're going to phone in a friend, and I'm going to be asking that friend questions that you bring in. So leave on YouTube and iTunes, wherever you can, even if it's on Twitter, leave us some questions, and we'll try and respond on the next episode. Okay. First episode, 2020, we have with us in the house some extremely special guests, and they are special because they are a huge part of my world with uh, Julie and I. They are our good friends, and we get to work together. So we have with us on this month's episode, Ryan Cross, who is on staff and an absolute legend. We have Tommy Luong, also on staff, running Zoe Kids, and no stranger to the podcast, she is our Sissonine. She is our Tanya Rad. <laughs> Erica the Boss Bosco yeah. is in the house. Thanks Thank you guys for me. coming on. Thank you. Come on. We are talking today about the subject. We're titling this month's episode Mentors, Ministry, and the Young Will Always Win. Yeah. yeah. Let me Love explain. It. Like, you know, that preacher that <laughs> says his title. <laughs> you know, my title today, and then like, 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 does it make sense? So you're like, let me explain. Mm. But I want to come around the idea uh, today of first mentors, and I think it's so important as we talk about leadership. I always think whenever you go to the next level of your leadership, you can always attach it or you can always go back to it was somebody, it was a person that helped get you to the place that you couldn't get there on your own. Yeah. Right. So uh, this word mentor is fascinating to me in our little cul-de-sac, our little community of faith, um, because I I find that sometimes people get addicted to their mentor, Mm -hmm. they get attached to their mentor, they can't do anything without their mentor. So um, I kind of want to deconstruct what does it look like to have, what's a healthy relationship with a mentor, mentors, and what is unhealthy. So I think we should start with the newbies. Let's do it. Do it. <laughs> All the way. Also, Tommy, there's three Mexicans. She's full. Yeah. No, I'm you're, half. You're we half? make a full. Remember? Okay, okay. Half yes, and half? yes. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. She's half. I'm half. This is also half. Wow. So there's one and a half. Yeah. One and a half. You Tommy, you are numbers. what again? 
What are you? I'm black, Hawaiian, and Vietnamese. Wow. Yeah, well, you win. Okay? Yeah. So, okay. Hands we down. Got, That's fun. Yeah. We just got this half card we're throwing down. What a mix. But uh, it's great to be, you know, the Hispanic pride is strong. Representing. Oh, Go and do uh, this in Spanish? Three quarters of the table. But um, what, what, when, when I talk about mentors, what comes to mind for you? I think I went through a season of life, and I think other similar maybe may have gone through a season where that word would scare you, where I, I, mentors is something that would be too confrontational. And there was a stigma attached to it that it would be all truth or it would be all, it would just be regulating your life yeah. and it would just be a way to not sin, mm-hmm. which we know is not really a productive way to approach yeah. a life, a godly life is just right. trying to avoid sin. So I think I, I, I definitely in the past have avoided them because of what I thought they were or what I may have, uh, what I experienced them to be. But I think uh, it wasn't until after I had come out of high school after I'd gone into college that I really experienced a mentor in a really healthy, very productive um, yeah. environment where it was it was that truth, it was that uh, that that challenging voice, but it was also a lot more than that. It was relational, mm. it was grace and truth, um, kind of a, a good mix. And I think that's what I found to be the most productive. Right. But I think. I think there's definitely can be a stigma around just the word mentor or yeah. accountability partner. Like yeah. Those, those things can yeah. seem scary. Um, but, but I definitely have found that when there's that mix of relationship with yeah. growth, uh, with grace, with truth, and really the relationship I found sets the, sets the table for those harder conversations. Right. So mentors that, that have really been impactful in my life really set that groundwork with relationship. Yeah. And then they had more equity right? Just more relational equity sure. to mm. come in with those, those confrontational moments, those, those challenging conversations, yeah. um, which to me is just a reflection of what Jesus does, yeah. right? Grace is his approach, but truth is his identity, his character. He's mm. the way, the truth, the life. Mm. And so I think that, that, that approach I've found to be really uh, fruitful in yeah. my life. Mm. Um, and, and as I, as people ask to for me to be a mentor or whatever, that's kind of the approach that I've taken as well that I found yeah. that has worked. Isn't it interesting? I think sometimes the reason why it gets so unhealthy and why people can get weird in this relationship is is it's not always the student's fault. A lot of times it's the mentor's yeah, fault. Sure. Right. Yeah. The mentor wants control. Mm-hmm. Right. The, the mentor wants the title. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, which is weird. <laughs> Let me mentor you. Yeah. yeah. Like I've never right. had a relationship with anybody no. that was like, hey, just a heads up, you and I were in a, a mentor relationship. Yeah. I'm mentoring. Like I just that term yeah. is I'm sure in some spheres totally acceptable. I just don't like that terminology. Yeah. I definitely think you have to have those relationships and those people. Yeah. But I don't think you have to have that title. And a lot of times it's not always the person approaching, can you be my mentor? It's someone saying, I want to mentor you. Mm. I want to be your mentor. And I think you have to be careful with that in, in, in making that judgment call of a relationship of going like, if you're wanting to do that, is this for me or is it for you? Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. I think one of the struggles in leadership is that we all struggle with this need to be needed. Mm-hmm. Mm. Right. And that's that's the yeah. hard thing is like yeah. I need people to need me, mm. and if you don't need me, what? Well, then where's my identity? Sure. Mm-hmm. Mm. And um, and so I think that's a tricky thing when it comes to these relationships is understanding: Are you really out for my best interests, or is this self-serving to you? Yeah. Right. Right. Tommy, have you ever um, 
ran into this or have you uh, ever been mentored? Yeah. You know, I, I think throughout my life, I've always had people who kind of, um, leaned into my life. They, they may have not necessarily said I'm your mentor, right? but they have, um, played that role. I think through every season I've had more than just one. Yeah. Um, and I still, you know, there's still times where, you know, every once in a while, they'll still check up on me every couple of months. And I think it's healthy to have more than just one voice. I do find it weird when people can't grow out of just, uh, getting the answer from multiple people, but just that one person, like what makes it so special about that one person that you have to find, um, their wisdom on. And, you know, cause I think that God brings more than just one person into your life. Yeah. And so, well, uh, and we know this cause the Bible says there's wisdom in the multitude of mm. counselors right and usually it's that bizarre mentor that wants to be the counselor right yeah. right and doesn't appreciate all the multitude you've brought along yeah yeah anyways continue so you know i think um i think the multiple mentors that have been in my life if you will uh they've they've carried through my hard seasons. And I think even uh, within moving to LA, I've found out that maybe they have not said that they're my mentors, but I've leaned into them for wisdom. So I yeah. think every season, as long as you're open to you know understanding and, and leaning into the voices that I think God has brought into your life, right? I think um, I think that they're always gonna be people there to help you as long as you're ready to learn. Yeah. Mm. So Yeah, that's yeah. it. What, what do they say? A mentor always walks through the door when a student is ready to learn. Yeah. Wow. Right. In other words, you can't get that mentor in your life until you position yourself in humility yeah. right. and you you want to learn. That's uh, right. I, I think I think the interesting thing about mentors is that they don't always have to be in proximity. Mm. You don't right. always have to know them. Like I I I was mentored for years by one of my best friend's father, his name's Wayne Cordero, and I would listen to him. Every Tuesday, I'd take lunch, and I would go in El Monte. I would go to a car dealership because they had great Wi-Fi. This is like in, <laughs> this is like in 2000, 2001, and I would go watch his sermon from the weekend before, and that's how I learned how to preach. I would wow. watch him. I'd study him. Wow. He was mentoring me from his books, his wow. leadership yeah. podcast, his mm-hmm. teachings, his life. I was being mentored. Now, I never talked to him. Yeah. I didn't have his phone number, but he was mentoring me. Wow. I think you can always be mentored from a distance. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and, and if, you, if you do that right... You can have someone that's far away you're you're gleaning from, yeah. and even someone locally that is, you know, in proximity with your life that knows yeah. where you're at. Yeah. So I'm learning from this guy way out there, but yeah. this guy that's close to me is going like, "Hey, man, like, let's focus on this area of your life." Like, yeah. right? Yeah. Hey, I yeah. notice you know you struggle with punctuality, or your finances aren't in order, or I notice that you know you um you haven't been yourself lately and mm. you i think you need people in your life close enough to you that not just the distant mentor but right. the yeah. that's the power of community yeah. right. erica i've known you a long time yeah and i've never heard you use the word mentor no. when we talk about this subject what, what comes to your mind well i was thinking about actually um getting saved at 19 years old and i didn't know, realize i was being mentored i had right. um you know uh this girl that was older than me, um, just kind of take me under her wing. It kind of felt like a a big sister sort of relationship. Hey, let me teach you, you know, how to read your Bible. Let me teach you how to live your life in, in a godly way. And I think even outside of the church context, when we talk about mentors, it's essentially 
looking at someone's life where you want to be like you Mm -hmm. if you want to move forward you got to learn and study and grow right um and so now looking back i can see that i was being quote unquote mentored but i don't think i realized Mm. right in the moment i was just like there's this person that i aspire to lean into my life the way that you are that's it and um i think when mentoring gets funky it's like kind of like parents that live through their kids like extreme sports parents or extreme like stage parents yeah yeah (laughs) um i think some where it gets tricky is um anytime you sense the mentor or the leader stifling the growth of Mm. the student or of whoever they're Mm. honestly like honored to lead like right you know I think that's where it gets a little bit weird, right. you know, if, and then it, there's competition where I think like any great leader or mentor, you feel like, um, their, what is it? Your, their ceiling is your floor, your yeah, floor is their yeah, ceiling, it, you know, it, um, right. that kind of thought. So I think that's mm. my thought for me. No, I think that's, that's so, so wise and so good. I think that that's kind of like, you know, all of us would be mentoring people right now and not calling it that. Yeah. Right. right. Sure. You know, right now you have people that you're I would, maybe because, you know, so much of it is semantics. It's just, it's terminology. Yeah. And I think we love to use the terminology of I'm investing in this own self. Mm. Yeah. I feel really led to help raise this person up. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I feel really called that there's, there's something unique and great on this person's life and I'm, I'm committed to being a good friend to them. I'm mm. committed to being a good pastor mm-hmm. to them. I'm committed to seeing growth in their life. And I always feel like it is really imperative that when I commit myself to somebody, I'm aware that I need to make room for other voices. Mm. Right. right. Good. You know, one of the first things I always say is, what, what do your parents say? Right. You know, what do your par- what do your pastors say? And what do your friends say? Yeah. Because, mm. you know, when it comes to dating or it comes to making a geography change or... You know, I was just sitting down with somebody this last week and I'm talking about, you know, a real life decision. And I'm like, hey, what, what does this level think? Yes. Mm. Right. What does your family think? Exactly. Like you got to yeah. bring in all the counselors. Yeah. yeah. And because otherwise it gets very possessive. Yeah. Yes. And and I think that's where the dysfunction comes. Well, I, I have a very specific memory, actually, um, of, of talking to you and Julia. I was very young and I remember, you probably don't remember this, but I remember you telling me like, I'm not going to tell you what to do. Mm. I'm just going to give you context and help you like make a good decision. Yeah. And that was a life changing moment for me yeah. where yeah. I think that's like where people, um, pastors and mentors and leaders and people that are leaning in really well, it's like, I'm, you're not, you don't tell people what to do. Right. That's not that you just give them the context to make great decisions on their own. That's right. And that's like life changing. That's it. It's everything. Yeah. I, I think that we should always be trying to find voices in our life that are teaching us and helping us. Mm -hmm. There's last year I've, I've, I found a guy, um, named John Gordon. I had never heard of him before. Obviously, many have. He's a New York Times bestseller. He's 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 a, a amazing author and mm-hmm. speaker. And and I've just gotten really into his content. Uh, he's he's all about the the power of positive leadership. And so even like right now, I'm in my car. I've been listening to his audiobooks. And I don't know him. I've never met him. But he's a huge voice in my life. Mm. Yeah. And he's mentoring me. He's teaching me. He's training me. And so I do think that there's people that I'm meeting with personally. I have a personal relationship with Chris Hodges. I have a mm-hmm. personal relationship with Craig Rochelle. Yeah. But there's also people I don't even know yeah. that I'm, you know, it's like coming in 2020, everybody's like, got to be careful what you put in your body, <laughs> careful what you put in front of your eyes, yeah. careful what you put in front of your ears. It's like, we're not just careful, we're deliberate. Yes. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We're thinking intentionally. Yeah. 
about the people that we want to be massive. And usually the people I want to mentor me are people, it's like, you're somewhere that I'm not. Right. Yeah. Right. yeah. What's right. on you is not on me. And I want to learn, how did you learn how to think like that? Yeah. yeah. Live like that, lead like that. I'm trying to, you see life in a way that I, my, in my little, limited experience and view, mm-hmm. man, I'm not even close to seeing it. And so I need, I need to get, you know, your thoughts and, yeah. and your principles in my life. And, and that, again, when you're a student, the mentor walks through the door. Yeah. Mm. When it comes to the area of, of ministry, and, you know, all of us are in ministry and, and trying to help mentor and, and raise up people in ministry, I always think one of our privileges is it says in the Bible, one of my favorite scriptures, he who desires the position mm. of an overseer desires a, desires a good thing. Mm-hmm. So we do have people that are looking to you, people looking at your life and going like, I want to be like Tommy. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, I, wa- I want to be like Erica. Yeah. How, does the, how do you handle that when people go like, man, I see you're in ministry. I see you're serving, you're building. Do you ever do you ever think about this? Do you, do you ever think yeah. like, man, people are watching my life. They're watching the way that I live. Sure. How does that affect you? Um, yeah, I the weirdest thing is you're like you see what you think you see of mm-hmm. me, mm-hmm. and so every like you talk about this yesterday. You were saying how every leader has a dark side. Every mm-hmm. everyone has something they're working on. Right. Um, but I think it takes a lot of. I've I've found and I've grown into knowing like I have to be very secure in who I am yeah. to lead people to their greatest potential, and um, I think that I think it's weird. <laughs> people are like, I want to be like you, but I try to identify like, what are you saying? Like, yeah. yeah, you're saying that you want to grow and take a shot on what you think God's called you to. You want to step forward yeah. into something new, um, and so I I have a really really big passion for. Um, college age, young adults. That's when I got saved. That's when I really like found my purpose in life. And so I really find that um, when I'm meeting with young girls that are just trying to figure out where they're going, mm. um, I, I get really excited. Yeah. Honestly, I yeah. do. I'm like, uh, read your Bible, know where you're going. You know, yeah. I think um, it's really fun for me. Yeah. And um, I don't put a lot of emphasis on taking myself too seriously. Right. Like, well, this is what I'm doing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I think I've been, I've had the huge privilege of being um, really raised up over the last 10 years um, under people that I respect. And so I'm just trying to constantly um, reiterate what I've just learned, either mm-hmm. the hard way mm-hmm. or what I've learned by like taking it in mm-hmm. and practicing it myself. And Great. I think the goal is like, I just don't want people behind me to make mistakes that I made for yeah. no reason. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. So. yeah. Tommy, how about you? What comes to mind when, you know, you, you, these people are looking to you and they're going like, Tommy, two guns, Blue Nation, Blue Nation. I say Blue Nation because the kids ministry always blue shirts. But, you know, people are looking to you and they're going, man, I want to be like Tommy. I want to be, you know, doing I Love My City and mission trips and all this stuff. How, yeah. how do you handle that? Oh, well, I always think it's a privilege for one, you know, that people would want to follow you. And, mm-hmm. and um, but I also think it's kind of what similar to what Erica said. It's just they, they want you to be able to engage with their life and be able to take them to the next steps. I think everyone that, you know, because I see my flaws. And so I'm like, "Ah, I don't know if you guys really want to follow me. Because, (laughs) you know, I I personally go through stuff as well. But I think, you know, when 
it's such an honor and it's, it's a privilege for people to want to follow you and yeah. you to be able to engage their life and to lead them well. It keeps, for one, it keeps me sharp. It mm-hmm. makes me understand that, hey, you're not only leading your life, but people are following you. You mm-hmm. got to really set the standard yeah. and set the tone. And so it helps me create good habits in my life. And right. because I can't lead someone to where, uh, to somewhere I haven't been, mm-hmm. you know? And so I, I think that um, out of your, what you've been through, you'll be able to walk people through yeah. um, kind of your experiences. And so I always kind of take it as a high honor for people to, you know, just walk through the journey with me and kind of whatever I can share through my life yeah. and help them, you know, I'm, I'm always down. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, someone like yourself, you have um, been through a lot and you live your life as a, I think that's the thing as a leader, you got to live kind of open book. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And people don't, you know, I think it, there's a tension there because there, I think there needs to be some mystery to you Yeah. that you're not too overexposed. We live in mm. such an overexposed mm-hmm. culture where you feel like you know everything. Yeah. Mm. I think right. you do need to have some yeah. mystique about you and yet the tension in the, in the, in the same the same life you gotta live very vulnerable right yeah very open book that's right you know i i just think you find that like julia was making fun of me on sunday i said i was we were laughing about this last night julia was making fun of me that i said on sunday 2019 was the first time i felt like quitting and and she said you don't know how many people came up to me was like i can't believe he said that you know i can't believe you know and people was to me wow man you you felt like that and yeah. And I just feel like you got to sometimes open up your life. Yeah. 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 Right. And, and not just be robotic. Exactly. Yes. And still yeah. people go like, well, you're a real human. Yeah. I didn't know that you felt that. Right. So there's, there's, you know, you're, you're, you're honest and yet you're, you know, it's, it's, yeah. it's okay. that tension. Yeah. yeah. There's a tension there. Yeah. Um, but you, you do that so well, Tommy, where I'm like, whoa, where is Tommy Two Guns? Is <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Mystique. Oh, there he is. He's at Orange Theory. Yeah. 54 splat points yesterday. No big Shout deal out. for those of you that do Orange Theory. We got 54. Um, okay, Tommy. How do you, how do you handle you. that? People looking up to you. You were a youth pastor for a number of years in yeah. Austin, Texas. Yeah. Uh, I think it's if you're in a position when someone's coming up to you and, and yeah. articulating that kind of a thing, I want to be like you. Yeah. Something that I that I want to always remind myself is that if someone is identifying something in me that they want to be like, it's yeah. only a direct result of Jesus in my life. Yeah. Right. So anything that someone would want to emulate in their own life from me, I know didn't come from me. It's because yeah. my life has been radically changed by Jesus. And so just a sobering kind of position to always stay in that if someone is coming up to me and wanting to be mentored or wanting that kind of relationship, I I understand, well, what they really want, what they really need is Jesus to change their life. And and so it kind of changes the dynamic to how can I make you uh, a replicate of me and more to how can I get you to expose who you are to the person of Jesus and allow him to do the work that that he wants to do because I think anyone that gets approached and and wants and someone wants that kind of relationship with them I think that's what that person is truly identifying there's yep, like that's right and you are you are, there's something about you yep. right in even in a non-church setting some people coming up to you identifying hey there's something about you that I'm attracted to that and when you talk when you engage I, I'm in 
that denominator is is someone whose life has been changed yeah. and so yeah. Yeah. and it's someone who's living who they are and so the goal isn't for for you to be me the goal is for mm. you to be you completely sanctified yeah. and, and changed by jesus and so yeah. i think that's just something that i that just want to always and and pursue is that platform of yeah. you don't want to be like me <laughs> yeah right you, right, right. you want to be you yeah. plus jesus i think that the immature um insecure Mm. Is to go like, yeah, you do. Yeah. <laughs> you, you want, oh, you want in my wake, <laughs> in my space. Oh. I get it. <laughs> I get it. Don't they all? I get it. <laughs> Put reverb on your own voice. Don't they all? Oh, Echoes. Oh. Yeah, exactly. I think that y- you, you hit the nail on the head. I think you have to keep in mind, why do people want to be like you? Mm-hmm. What is it about you that people are drawn to and be, being able to cite the source? Yeah you know, of why you're attracted. But I also think you know, a part of it, something that I try and be aware of is like, it is just a big honor and yeah. privilege yeah. that people want to do what you do. Yeah. yeah. And um, I think we're always trying to differentiate. I remember a number of years ago, I had to go to Virginia Beach to go to uh, CBN. And um, Carl's parents live out there. And so you know, I had dinner with them the night before. And you know, I was talking about Carl and how proud are you and da, da, da. And I was kind of making fun of, you know, at the time in ministry, everybody had the Carl Lentz haircut. <laughs> yeah, Carl I actually Lentz, remember this. Carl Lentz leather jacket, yep. Carl Lentz yep. haircut was like yep. a thing, right? And the scoop tea. And the scoop tea with yeah. the little oh my ro- gosh. the rosary. I'm embarrassed for everybody. <laughs> yeah, Deep yeah. Scoop. It happened. For it was like, you, you go to a youth conference, it's just like, yep. Carl got you. <laughs> and, and so I was kind of bringing this up to his parents and talking to him about it. And and uh, I think his mom or his dad, I can't remember which one, said, you know, a lot of times people look at Carl's fruit, mm-hmm. but they don't know the root. Yeah, mm-hmm. And I think when people desire the position, they're looking at fruit. Sure. Mm-hmm. I see the effectiveness. I see yeah. the life. I see the impact. But I think it takes time. For the mentor to really teach the student, yeah, this is the root of it. Yes. Yes. Right. This is the genesis and the motivation. This is the heart intent. This yeah. is the desire. This is the work ethic. That's it. Yeah. I think all the mentors I've ever had have peeled the layers to show me mm. what this is really about. It's good because wow. I've I was convinced it was about something else. Yeah. yeah. Right. Wow, I get to do this. I get to you know blah blah blah. And it's like no no no. Yeah. Not about any of those things. Yeah. It comes down to Jesus and people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And that is ministry. Ministry yeah. is loving the Lord with all your heart and loving your neighbor as mm. yourself and pulling it down to that. Yeah. Right. And you get that down, everything's easy. Yeah. yeah. That's right. And I think mentor is about unwinding, you know, just taking the layers back yeah. and yeah. teaching somebody, yeah. no, 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 no. Let's keep it here. This is what your life yeah. is about. So I do think we need mentors. I do think we need to motivate people in a ministry. I do hope that we live lives. When, when the Bible says teach or, or live a life worthy of your calling, yeah. that we, we're called and we live at that level. If you're living at the level you're called, I think people are drawn yeah. and right. will want to be like yeah. you. And then the third one we're talking about today is the young will always win. I love this line because mm. I think it's so true that young people will always win. Yeah. It's always about youth. It's always about kids. It's always about the next generation. Yeah. It's all, you know, a verse. Um, um, this is probably the most spiritual leadership leaning we've ever had. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Ryan brings it out of me. My God, what a, what a, what a mighty man of God. <laughs> I said, I, I don't. Yeah. Shoot. Quick sword yeah. contest yeah, or whatever yeah. it was. Um, 
one generation shall declare your works. Well, I think that sometimes you see this in 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 um, any industry, especially ours, where um, a church doesn't do that mm-hmm. and invest in the next generation, and they just kind of grow old together. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And they have their heyday, whatever that was, their run, so to speak. And it's only because they miss the next generation. Mm. I think we we're privileged enough right now because of age. And age allows you to be a little bit relevant. That that's not a struggle for us. We we you know people kind of make fun of uh, of Zoe like, man, I came to Zoe. I'm the oldest person there. You know, like that whole bit, which I get. You know, we we have a lot of young people, which I don't, um, I don't see as a bad thing. You know, I I recognize that there's gonna be one day that I'm like, I wish we were younger again. You know, I think that 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 happened, but but. The young will always win. When I say that, Hmm. what comes to mind? The young will always win. We're going back to Ryan. Go, Ryan. Well, now I'm thinking, don't be spiritual, don't be spiritual, don't be spiritual, don't be spiritual. No pressure. The young will always win. I love that line, and I think uh, it's... I love the approach of of keeping it about the next generation. I think it's keeping it about the next generation will always be about what is the next thing that God wants to do. Yeah. How, how do we stay relevant to right. what God wants to do next? And yeah. also just that mindset of championing. How could, like we always want to be championing the yeah. next, so that this doesn't just end with us, right? right. That Zoe Church is isn't done whenever the leadership is done. Right. But how can we? pass this thing along how do we pass that baton how do we make this better than when it was started right and i think if you have that mindset then you're obsessed with the next generation you're obsessed with the next group of leaders that the the next kids coming through youth and 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 all of that because you know that the day is going to come where you have to pass that baton yeah and the and who are you going to pass it to right right. and so Mm -hmm. i think it's it's someone that has the mindset of of longevity mm. that kind of keeps it yeah the the youth the young they will always win because it's we have to make it about them so this thing yeah. will last yeah. yeah yeah i think i think um there's a reason why we watch most commercials it's all filled with young people yeah right yeah. It's, it's youth and youth has such a relevancy about it mm. and they are the next generation they are the future um i i had the privilege of working with youth for 15 years and I, I, to be honest, even probably longer than that, because, you know, when I got really involved um, with church, I was uh, 16 years old and they just kind of, I just kept staying, you know, in my youth group. Then I just kept staying with youth and youth. And then I feel sometimes like, I'm like, man, it's hard for me to relate to adults. Because I was hanging around 16 year olds for yeah. a good two decades. Yeah. But um, it's it's the biggest deal yes. that they will, you know, it's it's an investment. We yeah. the yeah. thing about investment, you can't see a return right away. Right. But you're raising, training, mentoring, helping, mm-hmm. serving, mm-hmm. exposing, and really, you know, uh, trying to inspire. Yeah, right. Yeah. To get them to a place to when they get older. It, the thing about youth, I used to go to lunch rooms all the time, you know, in football <laughs> games, and I never went into any youth room. I mean, any lunch room or any football game, and no kid, no student ever said thank you so much right. for coming. No, no, they would never. thank you by going. What are you doing here? Yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> what are you doing? What are you doing at my game? And that was code for I'm so happy. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm so grateful that yeah. you took time to come watch my game. Yeah. Um, so it's an investment you have to wait for. 
But I think when, when we use the phrase, the young will always win, what we're saying there is that we're convinced that it's all about yeah. next. Right. Yeah. And it's all about investing yeah. into what's, you know, about to be the reality of our, re- our, our society. Yeah. yeah. And the way we educate, the way that we train, the way that we teach them manners, the way that yeah. we teach them how to engage in culture, um, the way we teach them faith will mm-hmm. set up the future of our nation yeah. and our world. Uh, Blue Nation, Tommy Two Guns, <laughs> you work with kids. My kids yeah. are being raised up under your leadership. You are the mentor of their life. No pressure. What if Mavi called you as mentor? Dad, he's my mentor. <laughs> I'm like, all right, Mav, pound it. <laughs> um, but w- when it comes to the young Wallabies win, what does it make you think of? I do think about it, the next generation. I obviously... Um, was a youth once. I still feel like I'm I'm young. Same. Like I'm I'm about to I'm about to be thirty tomorrow. And, and I and I feel like I'm 13. Wow! <laughs> okay. It's okay. your birthday. To, we're gonna party like hey. it's your birthday. Hey. And I, communion like ooh. it's your birthday. Hey, I'm I'm kind of feeling this. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think that it's so crucial that we just have an awareness of who's coming next. Yeah. I think even every Sunday before we go into Zoe Kids, you know, I, I talk to our team about the honor and the privilege to be able to teach you guys biblical principles at such a young age right. because they are coming to, um, you know, they will be 15, 16, 18, and in their yeah. 20s, and they're going to have to make all these decisions. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I don't want to ever feel like I didn't do my part in sharing the weight of the responsibilities to yeah. really teach them these godly ways. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I know that when I was a 15, 16 year old, I made some pretty poor choices, mm. but I still had people in my life that would still, you know, was, was able to gauge with me and took time with me yeah. and, and teach me um, God's word. You know, I didn't grow up in church, so I am very thankful for the youth leaders who were there for me. And I feel bad for some of them because yeah. some of them <laughs> took a really long time with me. It just didn't seem like I was going nowhere for but a really paid, long but time. But it paid off. Yeah, exactly. But it paid off. And, you know, like 10, 15 years later, now I'm serving in full-time ministry, you know? Yeah. And so I always think about, you know, when it comes to the next generation, we just have to be aware that their time is coming. And yeah. what are we doing on our end to prepare them to take on really the mantle and, uh, yeah. uh, you know, passing the baton, if you will, um, to really run church one day. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. You're, you're, you're a living proof. I think all of us probably living proof that, you know, someone waited it out and invested yeah. into us and, and the, the young will always win. Yeah. I, I love that. Erica, what comes to mind for you? Uh, I think I have a daughter, so I think about, you know, what am I going to leave her in her mm-hmm. life? And what mm-hmm. am I, inv- you know, even like teaching her manners and what does it look like when she goes to school one day? And I think I don't want to just give her something to inherit. I want her to give yeah. her something that she's been building mm-hmm. with right. us the yep. whole time. Yep. And I'm like, the phrase like, listen to the kids, man. Like yeah. they're talking, they're they telling are. us what yeah. they want. They're That's telling it. us what they need. That's it. And um, if we get so self-centered on me right now and when i get older and we forsake the young they're mm. gonna still talk yeah, yeah. And they're gonna keep right. telling us what they need yeah and um i think exactly what uh what tommy was saying we just have a privilege of yeah. of making sure we take care of them and yeah and and give them things to grow into that's it um and i think they will always dictate culture mm-hmm. always. they will always dictate which direction we're going yeah uh, no matter how old and quote unquote wise we get, yeah, the no. youth are always going to dictate the culture. Yep. Yeah. And if we want a voice in 
the youth, we have to know who they are. That's right. And right. Um, I think I'm, I'm super passionate about that. And yeah. I think like people, people want to be young. They yeah. want to yeah. look young. They want to feel young. Yeah. Um, they want to be around young. They want to yeah. be around young because there's life in, yeah. in youth. That's right. And um, man, I, they will always win because they always set the tone. Yeah. yeah. And um, you know, maybe the older generations are paying for that tone, <laughs> right. um, but they're setting it. And right. um, so I think our investment dictates where they go. That's like it. like right. you're saying, the investment, you see it pay off in 10 years, but yeah. if you're not thinking about it, where's it going to go? Right. Yeah. Hmm. I just always think, you know, um, I feel bad for kids that aren't invested into mm. yeah. and don't have mentors and don't have, you know, uh, someone to look to and go, I want that position. I want to be like so-and-so. Mm -hmm. they, they, you know, directionless uh, kids my mom taught high school Spanish for years and I just love that she was always collecting kids. Yeah. yeah. Just collecting them, just collecting them. It's like, mom, I'm over here. You know, she's, yeah, yeah, but she's yeah. collect, and collecting the strays, collecting the kids that don't have family, yeah. don't have somebody yeah. at home, don't have, hmm. and they're, you know, my heart goes out to single parents. My yeah. heart goes out to the mom that's having to work, you know, mm -hmm. two jobs to yeah. put food on the table. And she's got, you know, she's got a 14 year old at home yeah. and an 18 year old and, and I think that's for us the opportunity to step in yeah. right. and be a mentor. I know you do a lot of work at Dorsey High School yeah. and helping kids here in Los Angeles, you know, have an inspiration, have a relationship. I always thought, you know, when I was working with youth, that was my primary focus. I don't have to preach the best message. I really don't. Yeah. But I do need relational equity. Yeah. yeah. And exactly. I do need to let people know I'm here. Yeah. I care. I'm I'm about helping you and serving mm. you any way that I can. If mm. you want that, cool. We're here. Mm. If you don't want it, we're not gonna, you know, yeah, you know, try and barge down your door and act right. like, yeah, yeah. you know, spiritual weirdos. <laughs> but we are definitely here to serve. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. definitely here to help. And I think if we can keep that mindset the older we get, that we're aware it's all about next. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's all about making a way, making a platform. It's all about letting them have proximity, yep. letting mm -hmm. them have access. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think, you know, I love, I'm fascinated with college sports yeah. and I'm fascinated with the ability of you watching Nick Saban or Adabo Sweeney, these older guys that are able to go into the homes yeah. of 17 and 18 year olds and convince them, really convince them that they should come. Why, why would, why, they're not just selling a program, they're selling a relationship yeah, right. Right. and a belief. It was amazing. I just saw this the other day, the number one recruit in America, this is fascinating, the number one kid in the nation chose Clemson, Coach Dabo Sweeney, who's playing for the national championship. Uh, it, by the time this airs, he'll play the day before. And so Dabo Sweeney uh, recently was in an interview and some a reporter asked him about the they landed the number one kid in America and, and what's it like to get him and hey, what's he like? Well, Dabo Sweeney started explaining this kid that he just landed, just signed. He started explaining him, blah, 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 blah. He starts mm. going to the and mm. the father got on Twitter and said, I've known my son his whole life. And Coach Dabo Sweeney just it described him better than I can. Wow. Wow. And I thought, see, that is someone that's convinced. Yeah, yeah right. You got next. Yeah. You're going to change our program. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. You're 17, 18, but the abilities you have, the gifts and talents you have are a game changer for our university. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Now, if we can use that in our fields, in our churches, yeah. 
We could use that in our cul-de-sacs and look at a 17, 18 year old. You got something on you yeah. that will change the program yeah. and get to know yeah. them. Yeah. Yeah. Like this coach spent time knowing them because he knew the power and the potential mm. that was in the young will always win. Right. Yeah. I feel like so. we got to have that same ability, that same passion. Yeah. You know, I love that. I was just in Atlanta going to uh, Passion. And I love that Louis hasn't stopped yeah, no. investing in next. Yeah. He's still taking Christmas break and drawing 65,000 uh, students from all over the world yeah. to come together and rally and point them to Jesus. But you better believe there's people sitting there going, I feel invested yeah, in you. Yeah, I feel exactly. loved. I feel cherished. You put this on for me. This is a rally cry. This is yeah. a moment that will shape me forever. And those deposits that are made in 2021, 22-year-olds, it will... Absolutely alter the course of their life. Yeah. Hmm. So I get excited because I feel like around this table we have the potential yeah. Yeah. to change a lot of youth and a lot of young people's lives. Yeah. Right. And I say we go for it. Do Let's it. Go. Come on. Do it. Thank you so much for joining this month's leadership lean in. Hey, before we end, check out this month's top five. All right, this month's top five. We're talking about the subject of the dark side of leadership. What I love about every leader is that every leader has strengths and every leader has weaknesses. We all have a bright side and we all have a dark side. It was amazing. Last year before the Enneagram craze, we were really into the 16 personalities uh, personality test. And uh, someone else on staff and I, we we uh, scored the same exact personality. And this is the one that allows you to see like what celebrity you're like. And it was going through all the strengths. And so we we're on a group text with a whole bunch of people. And she says, man, I can't believe we got the same personality. I'm reading all the weaknesses and I'm just so embarrassed. And I was like, oh my gosh, I've only read the strengths. And when I read all the strengths, I was like... I'm awesome. This is this is this is exactly who I am. This is fantastic. I didn't even look at the weaknesses. The reality is we all have strengths and we all have weaknesses. Let me just tell you. Your weaknesses are no laughing matter. And we got to take some of those weaknesses. We can't just staff them. We got to take some of those weaknesses and turn them into strengths. Take some of those things that are the dark side of who you are, dark side of what you've been, and turn them into the things that are actually propelling you forward into the greatness of your future. Here's five things. Top five this month. Number one, here's the dark side is pride. Oh, I, I love talking about this thing. Uh, it, it's amazing. They say about pride. Pride is the only disease that makes everyone else sick besides the person that has it. Why is that? Because usually it's a prideful spirit that goes before the fall or before destruction and pride blinds you. Pride will not allow you to say sorry. Pride will not allow you to say I love you. Pride just blinds you, puffs you up, and gets you to start be, uh, become so self-deceptive, self-deceived that you can't really navigate your life. Humility is the opposite. The law of opposite here is humility. It takes a humble spirit. It takes humility to apologize, to make things right, to see things from other people's perspective. It takes a humble spirit. Now, pride, it, it gets in the way. Pride starts to creep in and we're going, wait, 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 wait. All of a sudden, I'm not operating in the kindness 
and the compassion and the character of what I want to be, how did pride get in the way? You got to bring that from the dark into the light and start walking in humility. Number two, emotional instability. This is no laughing matter. Emotional instability. If you are an emotional roller coaster and you struggle with getting a hold of your emotions, one of my favorite movies to watch with my kids is Inside Out. And he does such a great job of showing, you know, on the inside of the character is, you know, joys uh, fighting for attention and so is anger and then there's sadness and then there's, you know, peace and tranquility. And in, in, inside of us, there is this war of emotions. I always ask my kids, do you control your emotions or do your emotions control you? You got to make a decision. Are you the boss of your feelings or do your feelings run your life? Emotional instability usually comes back to sleep, diet, not having the ability to live a disciplined lifestyle so you're not rested, you don't have enough water, and your emotions are all over the place. It is always hard to follow an emotional leader. It's easy to follow someone that's consistent. Show up every day, you got a positive attitude, Every day, you got some joy and some strength and some wherewithal and some sobriety. If you don't have that right now, you got to get this year, 2020 is your year to take you from emotional instability to emotional sobriety. You're sleeping right, eating right, exercising, getting all your serotonin levels and your adrenal glands, everything in order so that you are healthy and you're the healthiest version of yourself. Here's number three. It's a cruel spirit. You're just a meanie head. We got to take that mean spirit from the dark and bring it into the light. Now, I believe this. Some people were just born mean. Like you just talk to somebody like, dang, they mean. They're, they really are mean. You are not. Some people are just naturally nice and they're sweet and they're kind and everybody's great. And maybe that's not you. If you have a cruel streak and you're a mean person, knock it off, you meanie head. Let's become kind. Now, kindness, I believe, you don't focus on kindness. Kindness increases with a relationship with God. In fact, it says it this way in Galatians 5, that the fruit or the result of a relationship with God and His Spirit is kindness. So the way I get more kind is actually looking more to God in my life not looking more to kindness in my life. We got to get that cruel spirit. People, listen, if you're mean, people are uneasy around you because they know on the drop of a dime, you can get mean, you can get cruel, you can turn on them. You can't operate in a mean spirit and do well. We got to bring that from the dark and into the light. Here's the fourth thing is disrespect. Now, we're talking about bringing from the dark to the light. Disrespect is tricky because I find in leadership, People that are disrespectful, it's never blatant. It's never like a bear at the front door. Oh, I'm disrespecting you. It's always subtle. It's always a little comment. It's always a lack of posting about the church or the organization. It's always not showing up. It's always disengaged. It's always just this attitude of... Di you can tell because the, the law of opposite here is respect. It's honor. 
You get around honoring people and respectful people. You always know where you stand with them. Disrespectful people, you're always just a little uneasy. You never know if you're good. You're just like, are we okay here? You're not. You're not okay. It's in the dark, and there's an attitude here. There's an offense here. There's something going on, and we got to bring that in the light because you won't just flip on a respect switch. You've got to deal with issues of the heart to become a person of respect. Disrespect is no laughing matter. And your organization, your church, your business, your home has no room for disrespect. We cannot move forward with disrespectful employees and disrespectful actions. Look for those. It's always the little, little, little comment, little roll of the eyes, little, wait, where are they? Little, little, just little things that will tell you about a person's true character and the way they're approaching things. Here's the fifth and the last one. Number five, foolish behavior. Oh, I love this. We're going to bring it out of the dark and we're going to get this thing in the light. We're going to go from being fools to being wise. The opposite here is wisdom. And foolish behavior is foolish with finance, foolish with our words, foolish in conflict, foolish with finance. I already said finance. Foolish, just foolish behavior. We got to arrest, we've got to get a hold of foolish tendencies. Because if you're marked as a fool, you can't lead anybody. People will allow you to be around, but they will not ask for your uh, advice. They will not look to you for problem solving. They will not even see you as a respectable leader because they go, you know, the way they handle things, the way they handle their kids, the way they handle their marriage, their personal life, their money is foolish. I I believe 2020, we got to walk in wisdom. You're marked by wisdom. Wisdom is the application of knowledge. So by the way, just because you know a lot does not mean you apply a lot. We got to connect the dots and go, I'm bringing what I know and I'm I'm putting my feet to the fire. I'm moving it from head to heart to feet, from information down to inspiration, down to application. Let this year be a year of application where you are not marked by foolish behavior, but you're marked by the spirit of wisdom. Top five. Love you.